Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Want to say hello to all the Pewter people that will be watching this show as we have a very exciting episode as our very special guest joining us in a little bit is Bucks Ring of Honor member and Hall of Fame member, Tony Dungy. It's Cream Skull Week, so no better time to have yeah. on one of the most important figures in Bucks history who coached a lot of those creamsicle Buccaneer teams. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com, SR Scott Reynolds. And before we get to Tony Dungy, who will be joining us, let's remind everybody that the Pewter Report podcast is energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. There is no sugar. No post-energy drink crash or jitters that you get with another product out there. So if you need to know where to find one, go to the Celsius store locator, pick one up. Uh, it'll tell you your geographical location where you could find one at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, or your bodega. Bodega. And if you need to uh, get more, get it in bulk. I'd recommend the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And there's so many awesome flavors. Um, you could have it go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save. You can have it sent to your place of res residence, whatever you want, every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. And we have one more case of Celsius to give away for That's free right. to the Pewter people. Scott, why don't we talk about yesterday's winner that we are about to announce and how yes. you can win some free Celsius. Well, yeah, the awesome people at Celsius have given us three free cases. We've already given away one. Now we're going to give away a, a second one. That's to Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse, for his $5 super chat. Roses are red, violets are blue. My Celsius of choice is orange. How about you? That's very creative. Uh, as Matt kind of told you guys on, on Monday and also on Wednesday, uh, humor it always works. That's, that's always good. Uh, we had a great question on, uh, on Monday. Uh, so it can either be a really thought-provoking question, and that question was, uh, what does Baker Mayfield have to do at the minimum to get a second contract in Tampa? And uh, and Paul opted to go with a little bit of uh, Celsius uh, poem here. It was cool, and so we appreciate that, plus all of Paul's contributions and everybody else, too. Super chat or not, we love the pewter people. You guys are fantastic, but we have one more case of orange Celsius to give away, and in order for you to do that, all you have to do is super chat us today. It could be any denomination. It could be $1.99. It could be $2, $5, $10, $20, $100, however much you want to give. That's fine. And um, that will automatically uh, enroll you into the, the chance to win a case of orange Celsius. And we'll have the winner of today's show announced Sunday night after the Bucks lions game on our post-game podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for that one as well to find out if you won. And we've had about 20 Super Chats each day, so it's been awesome. And the great thing about the, the Super Chats is, listen, we, we don't have enough time in one hour to get to all of the great comments and questions that we get. We try to put some up that aren't Super Chat related, of course. Um, but, Matt, we, we do have a rule, and the Super Chats get, you know, they get uh, first place. So we... Yeah, first party, we get we get to put you up there first. And you guys deliver. I mean, Super Chat or not, your questions and comments are awesome. It's honestly one of the best parts of this show. Yes, we like to deliver the news straight from one Buccaneer place to you guys, give our thoughts on the upcoming game, react to the game, etc. But 
It's about the interaction with you pewter people. We love you guys. And you guys are some of the smartest Buck fans around. Yeah, a ton of great questions. A lot of um, thought-provoking questions as well, yeah. whether it's on the current team, the future of the team. You guys always bring the heat. So we're very excited to uh, find another winner, which, as Scott mentioned, we will announce on the Peter post-game show on Sunday. Hopefully, we'll all be celebrating a Buccaneer win. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Another chance to be a winner as uh, yesterday's winner that we yeah. announced moments ago. Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse, says, Thanks, guys. Looks like I am going to be energized by Celsius yeah. big time. Yes, you are. Yeah, our own Bailey Adams. <laughs> He's going to super chat us <laughs> to replenish his Celsius okay. supply. That's awesome. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, Gregory Smith, welcome. First live Peter report. Woo! Happy, we appreciate happy to that. Ha ha very happy to have you, Gregory yeah. Smith. Thank you for uh, tuning in and watching. Great show to, to start tuning in for because we exactly. will have Tony Dungy on later in this episode. Yeah, uh, I like uh, Rich Bish, uh, right, sorry, Rice Bish. That's what I get for not wearing my glasses. Can't read. Yo, really? Coach Dungy, that is awesome. Let's get it, PR. Yes. You know, I, we're we're overdue for a guest, and and I thought, okay, um, I talked to Tony at uh, Rondé Barber's Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Canton back in August, and he said he would come on and do the show. Just kind of a matter of, of finding what time was, was best to have Coach on. And boy, Matt, it makes perfect sense. This is a former head coach of the Buccaneers that turned this entire franchise around, brought them back to respectability, uh, introduced the Tampa two defense and really ushered in um, all of the, the hall of famers that are, that are part of, of the hall of fame now with the exception of course, of Leroy Selman, right? I mean, we're talking Warren Sapp, yeah. coach Tim, coach Derek Brooks, coach John Lynch and coach Rondé Barber actually drafted Rondé Barber. So why not this week when the Bucks are playing the lions, Tony had his battles in the NFC Central Division back when there was such a thing against the Lions. Mm. It makes perfect sense. As a matter of fact, the Bucks' first win in the playoffs since like the what 1983 season, I want to say, was in 1997 against the Detroit Lions in the last game at the Big Sombrero. So we'll talk to Tony about that one as well. And what's oh, I was about to say something else, but we got a super chat from Big July. Thank you to Big July for the $10 super chat. You are now eligible. Or a chance to win a free Celsius it says longtime viewer, first live show. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Appreciate it. Go Bucks. Thank you very much, Big July, That's awesome. for uh the very kind words and the super chat. What I was going to say is yes, the cream school was an old school thing, but the players are really adhering to it now. They're very excited about it. We've yeah. heard from Devin White, we've heard from Antoine Winfield Jr., Carlton Davis, a lot of different guys, players yeah. on offense as well, just how excited they are. And another person that is super, super excited, someone that Tony Dungy knows quite well too, is yeah. um, offensive coordinator Dave Canales. And Canales, yeah. we call him the human, uh, the human Celsius. He was more excited than anyone else. He comes up to the yes, podium saw today, that today and he's yeah. rocking the creamsicle, <laughs> and, and it's matching the creamsicle back, background, yeah. backdrop, whatever you want to call it. And he spreads his arms out and he goes, oh, can you guys see me? Can you guys yeah. see me? And he just had <laughs> such joy and exuberance to it. I'll I play know. It's a quick video, so I'll play it really good. Blend right in. How are we doing? Good. How are you? Oh, doing great. Uh, always good to win going into the bye because you stay a winner for two weeks. You know, so coach taught me that a long time ago and I uh, was sticking with it. So we had a good time. My parents are in town um, and, uh, you know, we're running around going to flag football, volleyball, soccer, the whole thing. So 
what's going on? He has such <laughs> joy and utter fascination yeah. with even like the simplest of things. And it yeah. just, it just makes it so much better to, uh, you know, interact with him every single week. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, another super chat here. Scott and Matt are much more handsome than Brady and Gabbert. So did I win? Uh, <laughs> You're putting yourself in a good situation. Yeah, but you're a liar. So we can't. (laughs) We're not gonna we're not gonna disqualify you. We're not. Okay. We appreciate that comment. That's that's pretty clever. That you're in the running for sure. Yes, that's clever for sure. But but if we're if we're being honest, uh, you know, I I, I'm no Blaine Gabbert and and Matt's just not Tom Brady. That that's just a fact. So uh yeah um i I will say this though uh so we we do appreciate the super chats we got some rolling in i will say this we we only have coach dungy for about 20 minutes and we're gonna we're gonna kind of try to push it to 25 minutes because that's what we always do he's like we'd love to have you on the on the show for 30 minutes we tell a buccaneer guest it always ends up being like close to an hour coach dungy does kind of have a hard out today so we have him for about 20 minutes and uh, he is actually at one Buccaneer place right now doing something for the Buccaneers. The minute he's done, he's going to jump in. It could be 415. It could be 420. It could be 430. But uh, somewhere between now and 430 is when Coach is expected to join us. So just hold off on the Super Chats. There will be some time at the end of the show. If Matt and I have to do a little overtime today, over an oh, hour, we will. We will because we, will, we got to take care of you people. All right. But we do have some questions we want to get to with Coach because um, – we're the journalists and we feel like we have good questions. Not that you guys don't, not that you don't, yeah. but and, and what's also if, cool, if we had an hour long show, we, we, we would probably open it up to a lot of, of fan yeah. questions, but it's a kind of a finite period. And what, what's cool about having Tony Dungy on is yes, there's so much history about him coaching this team, yeah. but he's also had a post coaching career working yes. for NBC. So he's very in tune with what's going on in today's NFL. So that's why it'll be, Really great to um, get his opinion, thoughts, and analysis on this upcoming matchup on Sunday between the Bucks and the Lions, which, of course, are two teams that only have one loss on the season and are in first place in their respective right. divisions. So there's a reason why this game got flexed to 425. Yes, they, the NFL wants a lot of eyes on this game, partially because the Cream School jerseys is on. Yeah. But this is a matchup between two pretty good teams to start the season. Yeah, before I forget, uh, Nathan... Um, I'm going to be at the stadium um, probably uh, I'm going to be entering the stadium uh, about an hour and a half before kickoff. So what is that? That's uh, let's call it 430. I'll be there at three o'clock. I can meet you outside at three o'clock to sign the Peter Report jersey at uh, Gate D, which is where the media entrance is. It's on the south uh, west side of the stadium. OK. There you go. All right. We have another super chat here from Paul. A super chat and Celsius toast to the PR crew and Bucks fans. Browns destroyed my joy of NFL, and the Bucks PR and Baker have renewed it. We win eleven plus this season, boys. That's great. Yeah, we're we're. That's the fun I thing. Like the optimism. I do too. And Matt, that's the fun thing about this market is sometimes it, it's it's a little angst, you know, ridden because a lot of of the the Tampa Bay fans here that grew up in this area. You know, there were some dark days before Tony Dungy got to Tampa Bay. There was like a 12-year window where it was like the dregs. It was bad. And then, unfortunately, after John Gruden left, there was also another decade-long, 11-year span of really bad football between, well, let's just name them, the Raheem Morris years, the Greg Schiano years, the Levy Smith years, the Dirk Cutter years. Then Bruce Arians finally gets here in his second year, wins the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. So there was like two whole decades, really, where – 
you know, if you're if you're a kid growing up in Tampa, you know, you you probably didn't like the Buccaneers because they were a bad football team, you know. I happen to know someone. His name is Logan Reynolds, my son, who's a Ravens fan. <laughs> I took him to training camp practices, to Bucks games, everything. And it just they didn't win. And you know, kids like to gravitate towards a winner. So um, I, I, I get it, but it is fun to see Matt. Some of these people pour in from other cities, yes. And you know, whether it's Boston, Chicago, you know, yeah, a New lot York, of Oklahoma, Philly, now. yeah, 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 right, exactly. And a lot of Oklahoma Sooner fans, right, for Baker Mayfield. But to see them kind of pour in, and whether the Bucks are, you know, their favorite team or they just latch on to them as like, well, they're my AFC or my NFC team because I like an AFC team, you know. It's it's cool to see a lot of new Buccaneer fans that are transplants to, be, because of their new surroundings. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what's really cool, too, and just it's just fun to see is that this team is showing toughness and showing that they're not just going to lie down just because Tom Brady is not here. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to compare exactly the Patriots to the Bucs. It's a little bit different situations, but we've seen how the Patriots have looked in the post-Tom Brady era. Yes, their first season in the post Tom Brady era, bringing in Baker Mayfield and so far so good through the first four games of the season. And that generates a lot more excitement. And, you know, it keeps it keeps the positivity going yeah. on. The team. Where remember, there was a lot of doubt about the Bucs, but they have brought it this season. Now, nationally, everyone's starting to rah, rah, the Bucs. Baker, yeah. uh, you know, college game day and making mm-hmm. appearances. So. You know, people may have thought that the good times were going away, but not just yet. You know, this team is at least competitive, and they're going to make every opponent earn every single yard, whether on offense or defense. Yeah, that's right. As Christopher Cole says with the $1.99 Super Chat, it's going to be a creamy day for the Lions. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, it, it was a wet day today in Tampa. Holy smokes. Yeah. There was some thunderstorms rolling through in the night during the day. Uh, I believe the weather forecast, I, I, I got to check it now because it changes every five minutes in Florida. But I think as it stands right now, the weather forecast for Sunday is supposed to be um, pretty nice weather because I think these storms get out of here. Yes. Uh, as of right now, sunny, no clouds, 81 degrees in Tampa, uh, probably right around kickoff, right? Because three or four o'clock has the hottest time of the day. And then it's supposed to get down to a, a chilly 69 degrees at night. So. Fall is here. can wear uh, a sweatshirt or something. I know. <laughs> for, for those Floridians. Exactly. So, Matt, let's talk today about uh, some of, of the news that happened at, at uh, the Advent Health Training Facility, otherwise known as One Buck Place. So we get fans caught up. We're waiting on the injury report right now from the Bucks and the Lions. But um, were the Buccaneers out there for, for a little, um, uh, what, five minutes out in the rain, and then they moved inside today? For practice, yeah, <laughs> um, they were outside originally, but then as the uh, the town poor came, um, they they moved everyone into the indoor facility. So uh, a little bit of a scrambling, a little bit moving and shaking. Did not see yeah. Mike Evans once again, but that was kind of to be expected. I mean, Todd Bowles said yesterday that Friday is really going to be the uh, the big indicator for yeah. whether or not Mike is going to be available for Sunday's game. Um, everything else was relatively status status quo. We spoke to Jamel Dean today, so obviously uh, he looks like he's on on the right track to play. Really, the big question is Kalijah Kansi is one of them because yeah. yes, he fully participated yesterday. He was out there again today, but the calf injury is such a fluky 
finicky type of thing. And uh, we actually spoke to Kalijah Kansi yesterday. We heard it straight from him about would he be available? Is he, is he, you know, how much is he chomping at the bit to come back? And this was his response to it. Uh, just uh, going through the re- uh, recovery process. Um, it felt good to be out there with the team today. Uh, and I'm just still evaluating the injury, seeing how I feel. How do you, how do you feel right now? I actually feel good. Mm-hmm. You think you'll be ready to go on Sunday? Uh, we'll see. With the calf, it's kind of a tricky, a tricky um, injury. You never know, soft tissue injury. You never know. Roger, how much are you just chomping at the bit to get out there? I mean, you had a taste of NFL action in week one, but, you know, just getting back out there, how much are you ready? To uh, I'm anxious. Uh, I seen uh, what I was able to do on the field when I got out there, um, and I just I want that feeling again. I want to go back out there and make plays. Has it been frustrating at all, just knowing, like, you're just entering the NFL and you still got to still gotta wait your time a little bit? Um, yeah, at first, but uh, I just had to accept the role of um, – Embracing the suck. Um, I know it's guys that got this game taken away from them, and I'm still able to recover and get back out there. I still have a chance. My first in, uh, soft tissue injury, um, it's kind of hard to deal with, uh, whether you know you don't know if you're actually hurting it or helping it. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm going through as of now, um, not knowing if, if I'm doing too much or not, or not doing enough. Yep, Scott's muted. There we go. There we go. Speaking of injuries, the injury report just came out, so let's get right to it. Um, Shaq Barrett, like me, has a cold, and he did not participate. I didn't go to one buck place. He didn't participate. Um, Jamel Dean, as Matt said, was a full participant, as was Servassier Dennis, Kalijah Cansey for the second straight day, Ryan Neal for the second straight day, Anthony Nelson for the second straight day, and Derek Pitts and Devin White as well. Also, Luke Gedeke, that calf is on the mend. He was a limited participant on Wednesday but also was a full participant today. Mike Evans did not participate on Wednesday, but he did in limited fashion today. So Mike is on the mend, as Matt said. And as it comes to the Detroit Lions, these are the players that did not participate. Brian Branch with an ankle, Jamar Gibbs, the running back with a hamstring, Jonah Jackson, the starting guard with an ankle, Zonovan Knight, the backup running back with a shoulder, Sam Laporta did not practice today with a calf injury. That's new. He practiced on Wednesday. That could be a very interesting injury, something to watch, because he is a big weapon. The rookie second-round pick already has three touchdowns, including two last week. So that's kind of a significant injury right there. We'll have to keep an eye on that as uh, as Sunday draws closer. James Mitchell, the the other uh, backup tight end, has a hamstring for the second straight day, did not participate. Emmanuel Mosley, the cornerback, did not participate. Frank Ragnow. Had a rest day. He's the, st- the starting center. He's an older guy, so they gave him rest day. Amon Ross St. Brown, though, the receiver who missed last week's game with an abdomen injury. He was a limited participant on Wednesday. He did fully participate today, as did Taylor Decker, the starting left tackle with an ankle injury. He was limited on Wednesday, full participant today. So really, Better news for the Lions, although they'd love to have Brian Branch and Jamar Gibbs and, of course, their starting guard Jonah Jackson out there. But Sam Laporta with that calf injury, that could be big. Yeah, and it's kind of a trade-off with if Laporta is not available, then you know, Amon Ra St. Brown comes back. And yeah. you know he's one of the most – I mean, he's a very exciting wide receiver to watch, but Laporta is another guy that really – 
makes that offense go. So, um, you know, Bucks are trying to get healthy at corner, obviously, which Amel Dean and, yeah. and Carlton obviously played two weeks ago, but I'm sure he's not 100%. And, uh, you know, that's that's a really fun matchup between St. Brown and the Bucks corners, whoever he ends up lining up against. And we'll see if, if Laporta plays how the Bucks will match up against him. Odds are will probably be either Levante or Devin White, but you never know. Sometimes the Bucks like to have a safety guard their tight end. So um, yes. it's definitely a matchup to watch. Yep. Richie P with a, a $10 super chat. We appreciate uh, that very much at the same time. Richie, if you have a, a yeah, he comment does. here, he, he, he does. Okay. Yeah, you want to get to that, Matt? Okay. Yeah. Right. So uh, Richie, thank you for the super chat says, here's a question for coach Dungy. How close was he slash McKay to signing uh, Tampa Bay tech alumni six, five, three seventy five Ted Washington <laughs> to line up next to Warren Sapp would have been today's Cansey and Vita Vea. And then uh, Richie follows up with just curious because yeah. Sapp lined up next to Washington when he went to the Raiders and got 10 and a half sacks mm -hmm. at the end of his career. Very astute. I, I like that. That's that's really good. That's, that's a great question. And that is one we'll try to get in with Coach Dungy as we've talked about at the top of the program. We only have about 20, 25 minutes with Coach today. He's got a busy schedule, so we'll try to work that in. Um, I'll give you the answer right now. I know that Tony Dungy liked a quicker, athletic, one-gap penetrating style of defensive lineman. That's why you saw them with Brad Culpepper, the undersized kind of nose tackle, who actually led the Bucks in sacks, believe it or not, in 1998. That was the year Warren Sapp didn't lead the team in sacks. Sapp kind of took a step back. And I want to say Culpepper had nine or nine and a half sacks, also had a safety that year. I want to say it was against the Lions, too. Mm. And... Uh, and and then after Culpepper left, they drafted in the first round Booger McFarland. Anthony. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. McFarland from LSU, who was the nose tackle lining up next to Sapp as well, didn't make it to the Super Bowl that year. He was an injured reserve, the only starter on injured reserve in 2002. And then it was the Buck and Chuck show, as Warren Sapp called it. Buck Gurley and Chartrick Darby were the backup nose tackles that year uh, down the stretch and actually – both of them rotated and did a good job next to Sap against the Raiders in that Super Bowl. Um, so Dungy always kind of, and really Monty Kiffin, he always preferred lighter, quicker, faster, one-gap penetrating guys, even at the nose tackle position. But it would have been interesting to see a big, massive guy like Ted Washington yeah. in this defense <laughs> next to uh, Warren Sapp, for sure. It would have been interesting, uh, you know, little um, – rewriting of history, if you will, because yeah. that, that was not, not the, the type of player that Tony or Monty liked the, to deploy, but you know, Ted Washington's a good player. Yeah. Uh, good question or good, uh, good comment from flash Gordon it says bucks have various answers to Sam Laporta, Levante, David, Devin white, Winfield yeah. jr. Ryan Neal. Yeah. I, I agree with all of that. I'm curious what they'll do with Antoine Winfield Jr. I personally wouldn't put him on the porter because I just think Winfield does so much for this team, blitzing-wise, coverage-wise. I mean, it, yeah. it was all on display for that game against the right. Saints. So I think it's best to kind of 
free him up as much as um, you know, as much as the Bucks possibly can. Yeah. Uh, and I think the thing too is is Tampa, but we talked about this briefly on Wednesday show in our Bucks Lions preview. They've done a really good job, Matt, of of defending the tight end. It's it's been a position that has kind of gotten the Buccaneers in years past. But this year, whether it's TJ Hawkinson in week one, whether it was Cole Kmet from Chicago in week two, Dallas Godert in week three against the Eagles, Taysom Hill. I know Juwan Johnson was was injured early in that Saints game. So it was really Taysom Hill at the tight end position plus Jimmy Graham. Hill had one catch for seven yards. Graham had no catches. So the Buccaneers collectively, whether it's been the linebackers, whether it's been a slot corner, whether it's been a safety coming down, done a really good job of defending the tight end and not really letting that position do any damage this year. Yeah, um, that's kind of been the one of the keys to success for Tampa Bay early on in this 3-1 and one start. We have a, another super chat from Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse. Thank you for the $10 super chat who says, For Tony, if you have the time, beyond your accomplishments on the field, I applaud you for everything off the field, Tony. I read Uncommon Life each day, and it helps make me a better man. Yeah, uh, Tony Dungy's he's one of a kind, man. He is He was the right coach at the right time for the right team. Interesting to note for some of you younger Buccaneer fans out there uh, from an old guy like me who was was here. My first year covering the Bucs was 95. Tony arrived in 96, and uh, he wasn't the first choice. The Glaziers wanted to make an impact hire after hiring Sam Weish, and, or after firing Sam Weish. They, they ultimately wanted to hire Jimmy Johnson, former Cowboys head coach, and that didn't work out. Jimmy didn't want the job. Then they wanted Steve Spurrier from the Florida Gators, and he turned them down as well. So Tony Dungy, who was the defensive coordinator under um, uh, in Minnesota under Dennis Green, who was the head coach at the time for the Vikings, he became the third option for the Bucs. And sometimes your first choice – doesn't work out, but in this case, the third choice really worked out because he was the right guy for the right team for the right time and and really turned this franchise around. Yeah, truly was a blessing in disguise. And before Coach Dungy comes onto the show, I want to remind everybody um, to sign up for Underdog Fantasy with the promo code Pewter. That's P-E-W-T-E-R. Get a first deposit bonus with Underdog. I'll have my show Pewter Picks and Props coming out Tomorrow on Friday, and a little more exciting since the Bucks are back. I'll have my prop picks for uh, the Bucks coming up. The pick'em is so much fun to get involved with. Um, you make at least two picks, one for each team, but you can make more than that, five, six, seven, whatever you want. You can win up to 20 times your money. You just pick the higher or lower on a certain number of stats, whether it's passing yards, fantasy points, rushing yards, whatever it is. Uh, it's a great chance to win some money and have some extra fun on watching football they have it for so many different sports so you don't even have to just do it for the bucks lions game you could do yeah. it for tonight's thursday night game or whatever yeah. it may be so i love doing it for, for lightning hockey that's yeah, i like to jump exactly. in and, and and bet with the the lightning yeah i love i love the nhl i agree it makes it more fun when it's like two other teams you may not know so uh use that promo code pewter that's p-e-w-t-e-r and uh right now it the man of the hour is here we're going to welcome Former Bucks head coach, Bucks Ring of Honor inductee, and of course Hall of Fame head coach Tony Dungy to the Pewter Report podcast. Coach, I'm joined here with Matt Matera. Welcome to the Pewter coach. Report podcast. 
It feels like we're going back in time. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I was just telling everybody. Yeah, I I started covering the Buccaneers for Buccaneer Magazine back in 1995, and you came on the scene in 1996. Matter of fact, Tony, you looked uh, a little bit different back then. You were wearing creamsicle back in 1996. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I love it, yes. So what are your thoughts now? Uh, the Bucks and the Lions, a team you're very well familiar with with your time in the NFC Central. What are your thoughts on, on this, this uh, creamsicle throwback week here in, in Tampa? You know, it couldn't be more fitting than to uh, do it this week for the Bucks against the Lions, all the battles we had with them back in the day. And it's still – I see that uh, orange and white, and it brings back memories of – preparing for Barry Sanders. So well, yeah, it couldn't, couldn't be uh, more fitting. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Barry Sanders coach and, and actually I want to say your record, if, if I did the research correctly, was six and seven against the Lions. They were a really good team back then. Scott Mitchell with Herman Moore, with Brett Perryman, and of course, Barry Sanders, right? What, what are your, some of your memories about facing the Lions? Now you did get the better of them towards the end. You won we four did. of your we last five games. Sometime early on, and Barry was was tremendous. Uh, I had coached against him in Minnesota, and so you think you're ready. And we had a fast defense, but uh, he was he was something. You could do everything right, and he still found a way to to make you miss and make plays. And uh, he he was a nightmare. He was a headache. But then '97 um, that year uh, that we got into the playoffs, we played them early in the season. We held them to 10 yards, I think. Yes. Something just yeah. ridiculous. And then he came back and got us for a world record in the second game. <laughs> right. but then the, the, the rubber match was the playoff game. And Derek Brooks told me on Monday, he said, don't worry, coach, we got this. And they were yeah. ready to go. And we played an outstanding game, held him under under 70 yards again, yeah. won our first playoff game in a long while. The last game in the old stadium, there it is. And I yeah. remember the fireworks going off and our fans just standing there celebrating one of the, the best moments of my career, really, one of the most fun moments. Actually, Scott, yeah, most fun moment was uh, that Monday before. Really? Uh, we had played the Bears. Wow. Okay. And if we won the game, we we're going to have a home playoff game. We didn't That's right. know if we were going to be home or away. We knew we were in That's the right, playoffs. Yeah. We won the game, came in on Monday, and uh, Joel Glazer came down to my office. He said, we got a few fans at the stadium buying tickets. Would you mind going over? We're going to get orange juice and donuts for them. Right. So I rode over with Brian and Joel and thinking I'm going to see – 50, 75 fans and we're going to <laughs> around a little bit. The line was around the stadium. Oh, and my gosh. Up. There wow. must have been 2,000 people there buying tickets. Yes. And uh, it was just – I remember sitting with Brian and Joel in the car and said, this is what we talked about. This is what yeah. we want to do, and here it is. And it was so much fun to see people excited about yeah. Buccaneer football. It really that, was. And, and, and Coach, I remember uh, after the game, Brad Culper picked up one of those red yep. Bucks flags and was waving it in the end zone. Uh, that, that was that was wild. And you were there on, on the, the USS Bounty, I think, burying Bucko Bruce in the offseason, right? <laughs> we did. I yeah. yeah. That too. We had Hardy Nickerson and Trent Dilfer and Mike Allstott, I think. We had a bunch of guys yeah. we unveiled the new uniform. Yeah. And we symbolically uh, buried uh, – Bruce and it was a it was a sad day in a lot of ways, but people were fired up about the pewter and the new look. But uh, yeah. you know, kind of a, uh, a a moment in Buck history was was gone at that point. 
That's right. Exactly. Coach, I just want to say it's a, it's an honor to get to talk to you right now on our show. And, uh, you know, you were talking about a couple of Hall of Famers. You coached a number of Hall of Famers on your team, such as Sapp, Brooks, Lynch, and Rondé, not to mention Peyton Manning when you were with the Colts. So I'm just curious, when you look at this year's Bucks team or a Bucks team from a couple of years ago, um, who's a player that you didn't get to coach that you wish you had the opportunity to coach? Oh man, there there are several guys that I watch that I really have enjoyed, and uh, I like people that play with heart and play with passion and do their job well. Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. I, knew it. Uh, I coached against his dad. Yeah, and of course, University of Minnesota ties and everything, yep. so I knew about yeah. him. But to watch him play and to hear Coach Bowles and the defensive coaches talk about his preparation and his work ethic and his attitude, uh, I, I just love watching him. Tristan Wirfs is another guy. Tristan yep. reminds me of Paul Gruber. Yeah. Uh, wow. Who just go out and do their job, block whoever they put in front of them every time, never say a word, never even get any publicity, just do your job so well. But uh, there, there's a number of guys that uh, said, yeah, if they were back in the, in the day, they yeah. definitely could have played with us. Yeah, that's no great. And uh, and and speaking of the Hall of Fame, th there's a another former Bucks player that's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but Simeon Rice, I think, has that Hall of Fame resume and credentials. Do you think he should be a Hall of Famer? I I'll tell you what, it it's tough to get in, but when you look at what he's done, the numbers that he put up, uh, playing on an iconic defense, winning a Super Bowl championship doing it with two different franchises. Those are all the qualities you look for. So I think he's going to get there. It is going to be a little bit difficult. I, I went through that with some of my Steeler teammates that you get yeah. four or five guys in and people yeah. say, are we going to really put another Buccaneer in? Right. But just like they did with Ronda, you have to kind of look away from, don't worry about Lynch and Brooks and Sapp yeah. and whoever else is in. Let's just look at this guy's stats and what he did. And I think the voters this past year did that with Rondé. And one day they're going to do that with Simeon and say, let's let's just look at the numbers and the production. And, and he deserves to be there. Yeah. Coach, you you stayed in Tampa, right? After you moved on to Indianapolis, your family was here in, in Tampa. Um, our daughters went to, to preschool together back in the day. You know, uh, it was, was, was fun seeing you stay here in Tampa like so many other former Buccaneers players or coaches do as well. Right. This is a great place to live. Um, but I, I'm just curious. I know that that you you certainly had a very kind of momentous um, birthday in Tampa when uh, when you came back. Uh, Buccaneer <laughs> fans probably didn't like you this night. This was on Monday Night Football, right on your yes. birthday. You came back in an epic fashion. I remember I had the game story already written on Monday Night Football, and your Colts had a an iconic comeback of all time. Had to rewrite the whole game story. Not just me, but Rick Stroud, Roy Cummings, everybody else. Yeah. Had to rewrite the whole story. Uh, so thanks for a long night. That but, was an amazing night. Uh, hard to believe. 2003, and, yeah. Yeah. So actually the Indianapolis Star had a big article last week about a 20th anniversary and, and the really? whole thing. But it was one of those just you couldn't storybook script it any better. Yeah. Um, old coach comes back for the first time. Defending Super Bowl champions, birthday, Monday night, you know, all of that <laughs> going on. And I think my players really sensed uh, how much it meant to me. Yeah. And I kept saying all week, hey, the focus should be on the players. It's just another game. Oh, no, it's not <laughs> any different. But they knew. Yeah. And I think we came out and we tried too hard. 
and we yeah. made some uncharacteristic mistakes and we're down 21 nothing. Yeah. And I remember walking in at halftime and saying to myself, Lord, how could it be this bad? How could it be this <laughs> And I, at halftime, I said, hey, I don't know that we can win this game, but we certainly can play better than we played yeah. the first half. Let's show right. the country that we're not this bad a football team. Yeah. We kind of inch back and inch back, and then Rondé Barber intercepts the ball, and it's, now it's 35-14. And I went to Tom Moore, and I yeah. said, Tom, do you think we should take the first team out? we got to play again in six days. Maybe we shouldn't get anybody hurt. And Tom said there were four minutes left. He said, yeah. Nah, I don't think I'd do that yeah. wow. <laughs> to taking everybody out. And so we, we hung with it. We scored. Then we got an onside kick and we scored again. And once we got within seven points, I, I just knew we were going to win. I didn't know yeah. how, but I said, Hey, we're, we're going to do this. And it was unbelievable birthday celebration in the locker room. Yeah, that's crazy. That so is- let, 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 let me ask you, I, when, when you go to Indy, and obviously you won a Super Bowl there, uh, you know, it made history as the first African-American head coach to win a Super Bowl, right? I mean, that, it was a historic moment, a great moment for you and for the Colts franchise. Did you root for the Buccaneers in 2002 in the Super Bowl because you had so many former players, or was that a little too close to... Oh, it, it was hard. It was bittersweet. Yeah, Scott, for sure. I wanted to be there with them, but uh, I remember the creamsicle, and I remember starting in the orange and guys yeah. like Mike Allstott and uh, Brooks and Sapp, who were still there. Uh, yeah, and you yeah. know, we talked about that. That hey, as we want to make the city proud, we want to win, and they had a chance to do that. Yeah, and I remember doing a pregame show. And saying, "Hey, the Bucks are going to kill these guys. The, the Raiders are all passing. <laughs> yeah. There's no way you can just come out and throw the ball against these guys. The right. speed is going to be too much." And John Lynch called me and said, "Why are you giving them bullets and boards?" <laughs> I said, "John, you guys are going to. This game is not even going to be close." Yeah. And uh, I guess that was the beginning of my broadcasting career because it turned out just that way. Yeah. And how about yeah. in, in 2020? Did you root for the Buccaneers and Tom Brady at that point in time? You know, um, that was a tough one for me because I had worked in Kansas City as well yeah. and was very, yeah. very close to the Hunt family. And yeah. now so I've got two franchises that we work <laughs> for and you're both in it. So I kind of tried to stay a neutral uh, bystander in that one. But that was a, a fantastic – and an, another one where people didn't understand it at the time, but the defense uh, being such a good matchup against that offense yeah. – um, you know, the, it was it was a special day and doing it in the stadium, uh, yeah. all those things. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you brought up Mike Allstott a moment ago, because I think he's an intriguing figure for a discussion about today's NFL, where analytics are so involved. And, and I do think that they are an important aspect of the game and, and people use it. But also at times, I feel like analytics takes a little bit away from the human element of things. You mentioned before about your guys doing a little bit too much. I think Mike Allstott's a good example of that because when Mike got into the game, the crowd's going crazy and it felt like the intensity level just kind of ratcheted up just a little bit more. Could you feel that when you knew that Mike was going to get the football? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, we drafted Mike in 1996 and we knew he was a good player. We thought he was going to be solid for us, but he was really the heartbeat of the team and he set the tone offensively. We had some defensive tone setters already yeah but he set the tone offensively and he gave us the momentum and the energy and um the box score can't even tell you 
Right. You know, what the a impact. three-yard run. Yeah. yeah. That's how it just right. reverberated and changed the whole feeling of things. Yeah. Um, he scored against uh, Minnesota. Uh, yes. Diving over, backing up to the five, running over two guys. He right. scored from the two-yard line against Washington in the playoff game. And all it says is Mike Allstott, two-yard touchdown run. Right. No, it was it was much more than that. It energized the whole stadium, the whole yeah. sideline. We felt like we had a chance again, and that's that's the kind of thing Mike did week in and week out. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, uh, I I love the analytics. I, I get the science of the game and how it's evolved in that perspective. I'm but, glad you do because I don't. I well, see these people I, making I, decisions I, based on analytics, and I'm just scratching well, my I, head saying, "What?" Are well, they I, I I say that with this caveat. You can't measure heart. You can't measure momentum at the Indianapolis Combine, right? Those are real, tangible elements of football, physicality. You can't measure that like in the Combine drills, right? So I think analytics has its place, but the the gut feel, the emotion, the the energy, momentum change, all those things, those are things that you can't measure on paper or in a spreadsheet. No, you're right. You talk about, um, you know, Mike's, and what he brought to the table and analytics and everything. The next year's draft, uh, we're looking for a playmaker, and Derek Brooks is in my office every day, <laughs> January, February, March. Right. Saying, We've got to get work done. we got to get yeah. work done. He's, yeah. I'm telling you, Coach, he's special. So I go to the combine, and uh, Ward comes in to meet us, and he is five foot nine and 173 right. pounds. And I said, this is the guy Brooks has been talking <laughs> And I asked him and talked to him, asked him a couple questions. And, hey, Ward, what are you going to bring to us if we are able to draft you? And, it, you know, he's so humble. And in his soft spot, he just sat there and he's trying to think of a way to say it. And he said, well, Coach, do you like touchdowns? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm small. I know I'm this or that, but I score touchdowns. Yeah. And at that point, I said, that's our guy. Yeah, absolutely. An instant impact yeah, rookie. Yeah. Yep. 1997. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tremendous. Uh, you know, coach, let's, let's kind of shift and talk to, uh, to you about Todd Bowles, uh, somebody that you're close with and, and you admire as, as a, as a fellow defensive minded head coach, you know, they're not really in vogue anymore. It's always the, the young hotshot offensive play callers, but Todd's getting it done in Tampa. What do you like about his coaching style, his start to this year and in this Buccaneer team that you've seen so far? Well, I like his calmness and his steadfastness, and he has a way that he wants to win. And I remember uh, this offseason when he was talking to David Canales, and I've gotten to know David through yeah. uh, a coach's Bible study. And I told him, I told Todd, you're going to like this guy because you guys think alike. And uh, Todd called me back and he said, you know what, you're right. We, we're on the same page with how we want to do things. And I just think the Bucks are in good shape because they've got a game plan. And it may not fit everybody else's plan, but how we're going to win games, how we're going to practice, what we're going to do, the type of guys that we're going to have, the way we're going to play, uh, it's going to be hard-nosed, it's going to be tough, it's going to be physical, and people are going to have to beat the Buccaneers. They're not going to give games yeah. away. And uh, I, I like the direction we're going. Yeah, you, know, you, you you wrote the, uh, the the fo- sorry, excuse me. Yeah. Um, you wrote the the forward to Dave and his wife Lizzie's book. So can you just talk about getting to know him and the job that you think he's done so far as the the offensive coordinator of the Bucks. Yeah. I actually got to meet him while I was broadcasting. We had a bunch of Seattle games when they were really good, and he's coaching the receivers, and then he coaches the quarterbacks, and he develops a relationship with Russell Wilson. But through it all. 
when you talk football with them, it, it's just it's fundamentals. It's doing things the right way. It's utilizing your people, getting the best out of everybody, making sure everybody contributes, uh, all the things that I believe in. And he's a fun guy, but he's a no-nonsense guy. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, he just in that way, he reminded me of Todd. I, I said, I know these guys are going to hit it off. So um, it's been great to see what they've done. I think the offense is just going to get better and better. Uh, Baker Mayfield, all I'm reading about is, oh, he surprised people. We didn't think he was going to play this <laughs> well. Uh, Baker Mayfield is a good player. And getting yeah. in a good system, getting good people around you, uh, I, I think the, the, the country is going to get to see that. Yeah. So what's the key for the Bucks beating this tough Lions team, right? The Lions, they've, I don't think they're a joke. I mean, they're four and one for a reason. You don't go into Kansas City and Arrowhead and defeat the Super, the defending Super Bowl champions uh, in a fluke. They won with hard-nosed defense, a pick six. Uh, they did a good job of kind of shutting down Kansas City's offense, got some touchdowns on the board themselves. This is a, a team in Detroit, Tony, that they score touchdowns. They don't kick field goals. They have like 18 touchdowns and five field goals, I think, this year. And it's eight touchdowns, seven field goals for the Bucs. So the, the Bucs have their, works cut out, their work cut out for them, I think, on Sunday. They do. Detroit is a good team. Dan Campbell has brought a confidence to them, a winning attitude. Again, a no-nonsense uh, type attitude. Their defense is a little better than people think. They've got some playmakers on offense. Jared Goff is playing outstanding football because he, again, he hasn't had to do it all. Right. Uh, he's got a nice running game. He's got receivers that can run after the catch. He's got a defense where if it's third and eight and it's not there, he doesn't feel like, oh, I've got to try to force one in because yeah. if we punt, I might not get the ball back. No, he's saying, okay, if it's not there, I'll trust my defense. So they're, they're playing good, solid football. It's going to be a, a great game, a fundamental game. And, um, it's going to be physical, so I, I uh, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. You know, Coach, I, I think that that people, um, you know, our age, the older generation, um, maybe we have a little less patience these days, but maybe we also have a little bit more patience in some areas. I, I remember, you know, th there was a uh, a head coach in Tampa that kind of stood there with his arms crossed and all stoic, you know, and um, uh, and and this this new guy. Kind of, kind of reminds me. <laughs> I, I uh, recognize that pose. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, but, but you know, the thing is, is, is when, when I coached, uh, you know, my kids and Pop Warner, I was kind of a fiery, animated guy. So I, I kind of, I was more of like the John Gruden or Bruce Arians coaching style. But coach, you proved that that having that calm, even keeled demeanor, there's a time and a place for that, and it can win. You did that right here in Tampa. You did it in Indy. Should Buccaneer fans, maybe the newer generation, that that you know didn't latch on to the Buccaneers necessarily while you were coaching. Maybe give Todd a little bit of a break uh, and understand that there's more ways to to coach on the sidelines and and you can still motivate people without having to yell and scream. You absolutely can. And what people don't realize, I think sometimes is they see you there on the sideline not reacting the way they might. Yeah. But most of the time you're thinking about the next player, the next situation. Okay, this right. happened. And it yeah. was bad. And we can't do anything about that. What do we have to do next? And you may be talking, you're listening to uh, one of the coaches in the box with the next right. play. You're trying to move ahead. And yeah. that's what I always did. And I think Todd uh, does the same thing. But a lot of times we want to see that demonstration of, okay, I would I would definitely get after someone. Well, yeah. uh, so, sometimes you can do that without, uh, you know, making a scene and, and, I think Todd does that really, really well. His his guys are motivated, and 
Um, I know I used to tell that to owners when they questioned me. I had four or five interviews before mm -hmm. Mr. Glazer hired me, and that was a, a, the question a lot of times. Yeah. Well, you don't seem like you're, you know, whatever. And I would always say, don't watch me. Watch my team. Look at my yeah. team and see what they're doing and see if right. you like what my team is doing. And yeah. if, if you do, that's all you need to know. Yeah, that's great. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick, just we have a couple more minutes left here with you, and I appreciate your time, Tony. One of the guys I think that's missing in the Bucks Ring of Honor is Hardy Nickerson. What are your thoughts on, on I, that? I, I, I know you don't get to vote, but you're a Bucks Ring of Honor member. No, I would agree with that. You talk about leadership and guys who made a difference. And Hardy, you have to remember, Hardy came here and signed here when it wasn't popular. Yeah, you know, He didn't come in, in the middle of the, this ring, and I, I'm going to add to this defense. Yeah, No, he, he came, and I want to make a difference, and I want to get this team going. And he went through some lean years, 95, 96, and he was definitely our leader. And, and so uh, not only play well and go to Pro Bowls, uh, but, but the way he led, uh, I would definitely vote for that. Well, and the other thing, too, is that was really one of your big free agent signings was was re-signing him. Oh, I mean, re-signing, yes. Yeah. I remember one after I got the job, Rich McKay, one of the first things he told me, he said, uh, you and Lauren have to go out to dinner with Hardy and Amy Nicholson. we got to keep them here. Uh, he, he may be headed to someplace else. I don't know. doesn't look good right now, but we've got to keep him. And we went to Oyster Catchers, and we talked about nice. being together in Pittsburgh and mm -hmm. what we did and how I was going to do it. And fortunately, he had played for me, so he knew yeah. how I was going to do it. And I said, Hardy, we're going to have a great defense, and you're going to be the key figure. You've got to help direct this uh, for the young guys. And he took that challenge and stayed, and, and he was great for us. Yeah, Tony, I was, I was curious when you when you come into this situation, like when you get hired by the Bucks to become the head coach and, uh, you know, your job is to kind of turn around a team that had been losing and you eventually got them to be a sustainable winner. Was there anything that you could point to, whether it's like the atmosphere in the locker room and the camaraderie that really helped getting the Bucks on track outside of just having great players and Hall of Fame players? Yeah, no, it, it was that. It was the unity, the chemistry, the togetherness, the determination to stick through it in tough times. Uh, I kind of quoted them a, a quote that my first coach, Chuck Knoll, always told us, champions don't do extraordinary things. Champions do the ordinary things better than everyone else. Yeah. And this team had talented players, and they had guys who could make highlight real plays. I said, what we've got to do is make the everyday plays. We've got to practice well. We've got to play at our level every week. If we do that, we're going to be winners. And it took the guys a little while to buy into that. But when they did, I think that's what we had. We had a team that played very close to their peak week in and week out. Yep. Coach, last question for me, um, and I do appreciate your time very much. Yes. You've been very cordial in your relationship with John Gruden, right? And that was a kind of a tough transition, right, from, from 2001 to 2002, et cetera. You did have a nice birthday at his expense, though, in 2003. We talked about that earlier. Um, but I, I wanted just to ask you, uh, you know, forgiveness is, is a lost art in today's society. You initially came out, I remember, uh, in John Gruden's defense over the leaked email scandal that cost him his job in Las Vegas. There's no excuse for, for the hurtful things that were said in those emails. I think everybody can agree with that. And the Glaciers promptly removed him from the Bucks Ring of Honor. And I, I've always wanted just to ask you, as, as a Ring of Honor member, uh, did the Glaciers do the right thing, or was it done too hastily where the opportunity for forgiveness 
didn't have a chance to materialize. Removing someone from the, the ring of honor is a big deal. And I know that hurt John, but I'm just curious about, because it was done so quickly, just your thoughts on, on, on his removal from that. It was done quickly, Scott, but it wasn't done without thought. Yeah. And, uh, a couple of the Glazers reached out to me and kind of told me their thought process in it. Mm -hmm. And the, the thought process was not that we're not going to forgive, not that uh, we're, we, you know, none of that, but the ring of honor needs to be special. And there yeah. is something in there about honor. And True. because of that, yeah. that's why they did it. And, yeah. Hopefully those fences can be mended and John would feel the same kind of comfortableness coming back that I, I feel. Coming yeah. back. But I, I do understand why they did it mm -hmm. and um, yeah. I, I kind of agreed with it, but I, I, I agree with you. And I came out on our show and said, okay, John Gruden, these emails were X number of years ago. Shouldn't have happened, yeah. but I've done things in my life that, that, I wish I could take back. Right. And so yeah. if someone admits they're wrong and says, hey, I'm sorry, then we, we do need to forgive and we did, yeah. do need to move forward from it. It's also interesting to know, too, that the Glaciers did keep the John Gruden Super Bowl statue inside the team yeah. facility. So it's not like they're trying to whitewash no, this exactly. team. Yes. Hey, John we're very Gruden. happy. We're thankful we won a Super Bowl. John yeah. was a big part of it. Ring of Honor is something special. And this kind of tainted that honor, so we're yeah. going to remove that. Uh, but we're not going to say John Gruden didn't work here, and we don't want to right. have anything to do with him. Uh, so I, I, I really applaud the way they handled it. Yeah, yeah, well said, um, Coach. Um, I know you're working for NBC Sports now, doing a heck of a job. I love watching you and your commentary, as do I think all Buccaneer yeah. fans. Um, is there a rooting interest in this game on Sunday for you? You're supposed to be impartial. I know. Media, I always but... try to be impartial, but I do. Yeah. I, I love Todd. I love the way they're approaching these things. Um, Baker Mayfield is my younger son's favorite player. So oh, there you go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of uh, Buccaneer interest. Yeah. And I always had that painful memories of, of Detroit getting the best of us a few times yeah. early on. So I'm definitely uh, hoping that the, the Bucks can pull this one out. And do it for the creamsicles, right, Coach? Yes, that would be <laughs> great to see a win. Uh, because if I remember right, the last time we played the the Lions in the creamsicle, it wasn't pretty. So they, they, that's true. They, they, <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, the, the Bucks, and this is this goes back, you know, into the Sam Weish days too. But the Bucks are actually zero and five against the Lions in creamsicle. I, I can believe it because I know yeah. I lost a couple. <laughs> so I contributed just, to that. Just means they're due. Yeah, we exactly. are due. We are due. Yes, sir. Exactly. Well, Coach Tony Dungy, you're welcome back here on the Peter Report Podcast at any time. We enjoyed having you. I enjoyed coaching you. Yeah. Uh, I was a, a young Cub reporter uh, in my second year covering the Buccaneers when you came on the scene. You taught me a lot about integrity, about reporting, and and just about you know just just manhood. And you set just a, such a great example, not just for your players. But I think for Buccaneer fans and everybody that was in your orbit as well, including myself. So just well, appreciate you, you very much, Coach. Thank, thank you for I your time, Coach. That. I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. I believe okay. that we're going to get flexed to a Buccaneers game Sunday night, either in November or December. There you go. If we do, let's do this again. Awesome. Absolutely. You're, you got it, Coach. You're absolutely welcome back here at any time. Uh, Coach Tony Dungy, thanks for joining the Peter Report podcast. We appreciate your time. Thank, thank you, Coach. you. Thanks, guys.
there's Coach Tungy right there. I got a chance to see him in, in uh, Canton, Ohio with Warren Sapp, Rondé Barber, Derek Brooks, and John Lynch. Boy, what great memories right there. And Matt, yeah. I think it's going to be a while until there's another Bucks Hall of Famer because we yeah. talked about that kind of decade-long malaise that was over this this franchise for a while, you know, during the, the post-John Gruden era. But, you know, well, Mike Evans, yeah. maybe well, Simeon Mike Rice. Evans, we'll hopefully yeah. what Coach Dungy said about, uh, about Simeon Rice comes to uh, comes to premonition that eventually they'll realize how great Simeon was. So hopefully he's right about that. But, yeah, yes. Mike Evans might be the, uh, the next one that uh, Bucks Media will be making a trip to Canton for. Yeah, well, this this was this was great. I mean, this was yes. fantastic. Love having Coach on. Um, we're going to go a little bit over time here. We usually stop yeah. it around an hour, but we're going to do a little bit more because you guys, you guys have some great comments here. We want to to get to it. Um, remember, uh, if you are late to the show, we have all of our shows, all of our Peter yes. Report podcasts archived for your viewing pleasure at Peter Report TV. That is our YouTube channel. We want you to subscribe to it. It's free. Just hit the subscribe button, and then also like and comment our videos when you do that. It boosts our algorithm with the YouTube audience. It gets us more, gets us in front of more pewter people like you guys, and uh, and we love that. So don't yeah. worry that you're late. Uh, sometimes we're late too, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're usually a minute <laughs> or two late. The only thing yeah. that you would miss out on technically is an opportunity to be eligible to win a free Celsius, which, that's right, uh, free case of Celsius, not just one can, a whole a whole case of them. And uh, we got to give a shout out again to. Yesterday's winner that we announced earlier on the show today, that was yep. Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse. First $5 Super Chat, that was, Roses are red, violets are blue, my Celsius of choice is orange, how about you? So, so I have a couple more Super Chats to get to. If you're late to the show and you still want to be eligible to win a free Celsius, um, any Super Chat of any denomination, doesn't matter if it's a dollar or $75, um, Makes you eligible to win a free case of Celsius. We'll ship it right to your residence. Um, and we're, we're going to pick a winner that we'll announce on Sunday's Pewter Post Game Show. Yep. And it's just based on whether it's the best comment, question, yep. a little bit of humor is fun too. Uh, the first question that won on, uh, on Monday's show that we announced yesterday was about what Baker Mayfield has to do in order to get re-signed right. with the Bucks after this season. And then Paul, Jefferson a little bit Pimbo, more of I the... Believe. What's up? Jefferson yeah. Tugboat. Yeah. And then question. Paul yeah. won Great today question. with a little bit more humor and uh, yeah. a little more fun with it. But yeah, we welcome all different types of comments, everything yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Shout out to Paul. Super chatting us again today. Want to make sure I didn't miss any. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jarvell five. Thank you for the yeah. $10 super chat who says great to see Tony on here. He yeah. wasn't exceptional guest. Yeah, He was great. Um, he, Matt, he wants to, he wants to come back. Now, he wants listen, to come back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing for, for when you have a, a player or a coach on, you know, they'll say, Hey, appreciate it. You know, um, you know, Hey coach, appreciate your time. Or, or, you know, the player, Hey, you know, player, we appreciate your time, whatever. And then they reply and say, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Whatever. Rashad white. When we had him on, he actually texted me before the show was over saying, thanks for having <laughs> me on. Not that that was cool, but to have yeah. coach Dungy during the show say, Hey, if this game gets flexed, to Sunday night, I want to be on again, so let's I do it. it. So, I love fantastic. it. Uh, yeah, so Jarvell said, uh, as we said, great to see Tony on here. I became a Bucks fan watching the 99-season NFC playoff game between the Rams, the <laughs> Bird Emanuel catch <laughs> yeah. game. I was six years old and uh, been a fan ever since. That's Go awesome. Bucks. Uh, yeah. Great story. Yeah, great trip down uh, memory lane. Eventually, you know, the Bucks went on to yeah. win the Super Bowl. I can't forget Salty Buccaneer, who is a yep. consistent 
Super Chatter for PeterReport.com. Yep. Thank you for the Super Chat of $4.99. Salty Buccaneer says, Coach, can we get your quick Simeon Rice elevator pitch for his Hall of Fame candidacy? I know you can make a great case for him. Heart, love you, TD. Yeah. I think you did, right? We, you brought up the question. Great question. Yeah. And, and and I think that that uh, the coach said the sack numbers are there. The Super Bowl is there. Uh, he... He he did it with two different franchises, right? You kind of saw that with uh, with Demarcus Ware, right? Playing yep. for the Broncos Dallas. and the Cowboys, yep. right? You know, and 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 still putting up Super Bowl caliber numbers. And I want to say Simeon has better sack numbers than Demarcus Ware. So yeah, yeah why not? I mean, I think the case uh, eventually will will get made. It took Rondé a while to get in. John Lynch wasn't the first ballot Hall exactly. of Fame guy, like like Dungy and Sapp and Brooks were, but um, you know, there's hope for Simeon. I don't, I wouldn't say his candidacy is extinguished at all. Yeah. And you know, what would be really cool too. let's just say hypothetically, he does get in. You have to hold that Bucks defense. It's already held in pretty high regard, but yeah, I don't know. Like I'm sick and tired of the 85 bears. We get it. The 85 bears won the Super Bowl. We know. Yeah. They don't, <laughs> right. all everyone talks about is the 85 bears, but like that defense um, the Ravens defense that beat the Giants uh, in yep. Tampa, ironically enough, yep. like those duos, great, great defenses. The Bucks, that Super Bowl winning Bucks team has to be right there with them, too. If you have yeah. five Hall of Famers, if Simeon Rice gets in five yep. Hall of Famers on that defense. I mean, how could they not be up there as, uh, you know, one of the greatest defenses in the history of the game? Yeah, speaking of Simeon Rice, uh, and and uh, in my opinion, if if you, if all the Buccaneers I covered, if you're going to start a franchise with one guy, sorry, Warren, it's Tom Brady. I mean, <laughs> he's the goat, right? But <laughs> Warren Sapp would be number two because it starts in the trenches. Sapp was one of the, probably the the top five defensive tackles of all time. Um, but here's the thing: out of every athlete, every NFL player I've covered in Tampa Bay, Simeon Rice was by far, by far the best athlete. Uh, Matt, I saw him do two days in Tampa and in the afternoon practice, and this is in Orlando, this is in the baking heat of Celebration, Florida. Uh, he would do a morning practice, full on, full pads and everything. And then you have your lunch break and you come back out in the afternoon, have that afternoon practice. Then he would do wind sprints after that second practice and he was bouncing like a gazelle. Like he never got tired. I've never seen an athlete with as much juice as Simeon Rice had. Uh, he was in always in peak physical condition. He was just absolutely a, an absolute freak of an athlete. It's and, and, and he would spend, after that second practice, he would spend 20 minutes with some of the younger guys, the Ellis Wims and all that stuff, mm -hmm. working their pass rush moves. And he looked like he was ready for a third practice, Matt. It was crazy. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I want to say it was probably 2021 because it was when they the Bucks drafted Joe Tryon Shoyanka yeah. and Simeon Rice was out at a training camp practice and he met with JTS after they had a one-on-one -on -one conversation. We were all there to see it. Yeah. And everyone, including myself, was like, damn, like Simeon Rice <laughs> still looks playing. like he's still like if you didn't see Simeon Rice and you were like, oh, that's a former player. You probably yeah. be like, oh, did he just retire like a season <laughs> right. or two ago? No, he last played in 2007. So we're talking about over a decade since he's been in the league and he yeah. still looks like that he can play. And, it, you know, it just speaks to how when he was uh, in the NFL, just uh, the, the peak tip top physical condition that he was in. No, you're right. And, and I think, too. That, um, you know, when you look at at um, 
uh, the Super Bowl teams. And as King Fax is talking about here, I'm sorry, King Cook, you're you King Fax with this one, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens. I think that's where just being in that smaller market in Tampa, you know, a third franchise in the state, right? You got Miami to the south, Jacksonville to the north, and here's little old Tampa Bay over here. I think that's where the Buccaneers kind of get lost in the shuffle, right? Because it's not Chicago with the with the Bears. Yeah, Bears. And even the Ravens are in that Washington, D.C. Metroplex yeah. orbit there. So I, I think it's really just kind of the national media uh, that that parks itself in Philadelphia, New York, and Chicago, and L.A. You know, they look at the bigger market teams, right? And it wasn't really until, uh, I mean, in that Super Bowl, the Bucks got their props for sure. But I mean, and you were here for it, Matt. In 2020, Tom Brady arrives. Everything changed in Tampa Bay. It did. It the, really did. The media room at One Buck in Your Place was always full of national media, not just the local crowd. And then the Lightning started winning. The Rays went yeah, to the World Series. Right. The Bucks right. won a Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, just uh, truly, truly crazy. Uh, oh, boy. Crazy this, this is a good one right here from Charlie Abrams. He wants either you or I to answer this. Tristan Wirfs versus oh, Simeon Rice. Man. Whoa. That's a tough one. I My mind to... is blown. Yeah. Oh. So I, you know, I, to be fair, I wasn't Man. watching Simeon Rice like every single yeah. day. I just, it's just the nature. I didn't grow up in Tampa. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little bit younger. So I, I would have wow. to go back and watch more Simeon Rice wow, tape, wow, wow, but wow. like Tristan Wirfs might be the greatest offensive tackle in the history of the Bucks. It's hard to go against him. And yeah, maybe I'm just a little bit more new school in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I, there's uh, there's some recency bias for, for me, too. Yeah, recency bias. Um, I, I will say this. If it's first or second down, I'm taking Tristan all day long. Okay, I just am. And that's not hating on Simeon. On third downs, though, <laughs> something changed in Simeon. That was the hunting down. That was It was just different on third down. You could feel Simeon. He made his presence felt on third downs. And that was a money down for him, and he took it very personal. And I wonder, out of all those 100-plus sacks, how many came on third down? I'm... I'm certainly going to guess more than 50 or 60% for sure. It might even be close to 70%. And of course, that's when a lot of sacks do happen, right? Obvious passing downs. But so I'm going to say Tristan overall, but I'll give third down to Simeon. So okay. Tristan. All right. So yeah. uh, you get little, two out of three. But yeah. A little bit of a, yeah. Yeah. Best of I got to give Simeon. Best of, yeah. That, that's how they should decide it. Yeah. In this hypothetical. Right. <laughs> best of three, Simeon. Yeah. But uh, man, if, if, if we could go and bring, Simeon in his prime now versus Tristan, that would be that would be the training camp one on one yes. battle to see every day. Yeah. yeah. Uh that would be uh fantastic. Scott, this uh no pressure here, but this one okay. this one's for you. Do you know who was the person that wanted to trade for rice? Plus if you if you pronounce my name wrong, do I automatically win the case of Celsius? John Castle Spilotelopolis. Sp 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 Spilotelopolis. Spillotelopolis. I'm going to go with that. Spillotopolis. I think okay, it's Spillotopolis. Spilotopolis. He's, he's been on Hold before, on. and I've tried to pronounce it. I All think right. it's Spillotopolis. Okay. Spillotopolis. Yes, you're right. Yeah. See, I can see now. It just When I put these on, I get the yeah. little reflection, so I go blind. Just for you Bucks fans, you Peter people. Laugh out loud. Great freaking interview. That's a great question. Um, believe it or not, they didn't trade for Simeon Rice. They actually signed him in free agency. Even so, better. Yeah. So uh, they, they courted Simeon, and uh, they had uh, Dungy and Kiffin and uh, Rod Marinelli went out there. I think Brooks and Lynch were there, and they, they courted Simeon. 
and uh, that that was what sealed the deal was was getting him, um, you know, just saying play next to Sap and play in front of, of of Lynch and Brooks. You know, we got this this guy Rondy Barber's pretty good too on the outside. So yeah, it didn't take a bunch of arm twisting, but Rod Marinelli and Monty Kiffin really put the um, the screws to to Simeon and said, you know, you're the missing link, like. You're you're the guy that's going to get us to the Super Bowl and and win. And Simeon came in 2001, and that was unfortunately Tony's last year. They ran into that Philadelphia Eagles buzzsaw that they had in years past in the playoffs. But the next year, it all changed. So whether uh, whether it's Simeon Rice or Shaq Barrett, the Bucks know how to sign free agent pass rushers. Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, yep. a couple more super chats before we wrap up the show. Paul, aka Florida Dreamhouse. Uh, thank you for the $2 super chat who says Tony Dungy is a good man. Fantastic interview. Thank you very much. I thought, uh, I thought it went quite well. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but loved yep. having Tony Dungy on. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for a uh, Sunday night flex game for, I am too. Would yeah. Love to fantastic. have Tony back on. Um, uh, Sim- Simeon, Simeon was an absolute stellar guy. Th- th- that's for sure. Uh, I loved um, talking to Simeon. It's funny because his locker was next to saps and sap sap, you did not know which version of Warren Sapp you were going to get. The fun, jovial guy, but that that could turn on the wrong question at the drop of a hat. He could go into a surly SOB mode real quick. And uh, and with Simeon, Simeon always had a smile on his face, and uh, he 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 talked in in Simeon speak. It was he was like from Planet Simeon. There's nobody else like him, and uh, you know he would say things like. It's like, oh man, like it's going to be intergalactic facing Michael Vick this week. Just things like that with a smile on his face. He was one of a kind. I did get into a Simeon Rice one time. This is a funny, quick little story I'll share with you. Back when Buccaneer Magazine slash Peter Report was partnered with the Authentic Team Merchandise Buccaneer Heaven Store way back in the day. This is probably 2003. We had scheduled Simeon to come in for an autograph signing. And we had literally hundreds of fans like out the door and around the building waiting for Simeon. And it's like, uh, I think he was scheduled to come from like six to eight and it was six Oh five and Simeon wasn't there. Mm. And so I called Simeon and I said, Hey, where are you? And he's like, Oh man, do I have to do that today? And I said, yeah, you have to do this today. We we've advertised it. We've promoted it. We have literally hundreds of people here. You need to do it. He said, can I reschedule? No, Simeon, get your butt to Buccaneer heaven right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I was like, God, I can't believe I'm saying this is Simeon Rice, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. And he's like, yeah. okay, I'll be there in 20 minutes. And he showed up in 20 minutes, and he was fantastic. He was a wow. great, and he was fantastic for the crowd. But sometimes, you know, when you kind of get in a player's face a little bit, you don't know how it's going to go. But yeah. S- Simeon, stand-up guy, for sure. <laughs> Salty Buccaneer uh, says, Scott, who was your first creamsicle jersey bought? Um, I, I only purchased one. Um, you know, I, I have to remain objective and neutral, although I'm, I'm going to readily admit that, that, you know, that guy right there, Rondé Barber, he's my all time favorite Buccaneer I'm friends with Rondé now. Cause I covered every minute of his career. Um, but the, the only creamsicle Jersey I purchased, uh, more just for nostalgia than anything else was Warren Sapps. Um, Warren and I are friends to this day. Weren't always that way when I was, you know, reporting on him. We had our wars and clashes, which were kind of fun. We we, we laugh and look at, back at that now. Sapp will say he won all the battles, and I'm sure you know he believes that. Uh, but I got the better of him a couple of times. But uh, Sapp, I just just respect. I'm a defensive minded guy. It all starts in the trenches. Yep. I coach defensive line. It's my favorite position. 
whether it's end or tackle. And, you know, I, I, I have it in my garage somewhere. I probably should put, put it up on the wall somewhere. But. Yeah, good answer. Good answer. Uh, Shaggy says, uh, thank you for the super chat, says, best Buccaneers free agent acquisition, Tom Brady doesn't count. And I don't think Gronk should count either because Gronk yeah. doesn't come if, if Tom Brady's right. not there. I think, um, and again, I'll keep this more towards the current yeah. team. Um, Shaq Barrett, yeah. I think, absolutely has to be up there for the yep. price that they first got him at and what yeah. he did. I think Shaq uh, definitely should be up there. Yep. Who else? But yeah, I, I think it's I think it's Shaq and Simeon. I think yeah. you're right. I, th- I think it's those two guys, and, and I would probably give the edge to Shaq just because it was a diamond in the rough, yeah. like one year, f- like no one saw that coming. Couple yeah. million dollar prove it deal. Yeah, nobody saw it coming except Jason Light and yep. and John Spytek, who was in the Denver organization, who exactly. said, "Give this guy a chance." Like he's buried behind Von Miller and and Bradley Chubb, you know. And then this one uh, from John Spilatopoulos. <laughs> it says, uh, thank you for the super chat. says, dang it, you guys said it right. Oh, well, LOL. But I do have a question. Are you surprised Shaq Barrett didn't get to be a captain? Very good question. That's a I, very I, good question. Yeah. Wow, um, man, great question. It's, it's one of those where he's very deserving to be a captain. Yes. Probably on many other teams, he should be a captain. It's yeah. just... You know, Levante's been there for so long. Devin was already a captain for quite a right. while. Antoine's kind of the future of this team. Yeah. And, yeah, and Vita's already been established as a captain. There yeah. just wasn't enough room necessarily. But Shaq Barrett is still very much a leader on this team. Yes. And that's something that Baker spoke about. A lot of the other players spoke right. about. Like, you don't have to just have the C. Maybe it's for Celsius. But you don't have to just yeah. have the C <laughs> on your jersey to be a leader. Shaq is absolutely a leader of this team, especially – among the outside linebackers. Yeah. So he may not have it on his jersey, but that doesn't take away anything of what he means to this team. Yeah, I would say, I would say Brad Johnson, also a really good free agent signing for the Buccaneers. Yeah. They, they don't win the Super Bowl without the trigger man of that offense, right? They had all the defensive players in mind. you know. And you say that because they had Trent Dilfer. They couldn't get there with him. They had Sean yeah. King. They couldn't get there with him. So I think that was big. Dominican Sue, listen, Jason Light took a lot of heat for cutting a very popular fan yeah. favorite, six-time Pro Bowler, and Gerald McCoy, whose body was breaking down, and and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Sue comes in. What was his reputation, Matt? Never missed a game outside of a suspension. Yeah, and that was the case. Benson Jackson too. Yeah, another yeah, great a good sign. one as yeah. well. Yeah. So many great questions. Uh, and John also says I would give it to Hardy Nickerson. No oh one yeah, gosh. To come to oh, Tampa until yeah. he came. Yeah, I mean, he was really the OG free agent signing. I mean, uh, Tony was right. Uh, and, and and listen, Hardy came for the money. He did. He was a little bit of a mercenary, but he didn't come here and just collect a check either. He came here, wanted to change the culture, yep. got into a fist fight with uh, Broderick <laughs> Thomas in the locker room and said, there's a new sheriff in town, and it's me. And I know I'm new here, but we're going to change the culture. And Lynch was already here. Lynch was, was a Buccaneer in 1993. Brooks and Sapp came along in 95 and they just bought in and gosh, that, that, you know, quartet right there, then it became a, you know, uh, a, uh, a five finger death punch when Rondé Barber arrived in 97 and, and not in 97, but in 99 when Rondé became Rondé, you know, it, it was good times. It, it really was, it was fun coaching this, uh, th- this team. I know Tony had a lot of fun doing it. Just, yeah. It was a rebuild, man. It was from, it was from the, the bottom up. I mean, you look at that that NFC Central division. You had Brett Favre and the Packers on top. You had, you know, uh, Dante Culpepper, Randall Cunningham with the Vikings. You had Scott Mitchell. I mean, that, that was that was a prolific offense in D- Detroit. Barry Sanders, Herman Moore, 
Brett yeah. Perriman. Uh, Chicago was formidable. That defense, they always had Neil Anderson, a good ground game. Um, the Buccaneers, it was tough sledding. They, they they were the cellar dweller for a lot of years in the Central. Well, it's been a great trip down memory lane from to- stories from Tony Dungy. Scott, you had a lot of great stories, too. I've never heard that Simeon Rice story before about the, the autograph signing, which is so funny because you've told a lot of great stories to me both on the show and off I, the I'm show. Old, Matt. I forget, I'm old, Matt. I forget some yeah. stories sometimes, and then it just comes to me. Yeah. You know, so. And I'm sure there'll be more trips down memory lane on Sunday when the Bucks are wearing the creamsicle Yes. So this is a great time to remind everybody that – the Pewter Game Day Show is returning again this Sunday. We were off last week because the Bucks didn't have a game. So there's no Pewter Game Day to do, but it will be returning this Sunday. Uh, we'll do a pregame show an hour before kickoff. That'll start at 325. And then don't switch that dial once the game gets started because we will have our live in-game reactions, analysis, and everything else in between. I'll be on, you know, reacting to everything that's going on with the Bucks games and the way they've been playing, it's been a lot of fun, whether it's the Shaq Barrett pick six, the Mike Evans huge game, beating the Saints, Devin Tompkins touchdown. Been a lot of awesome things to to really talk about on the show, and I've had a great time. So the Peter Game Day show starts at 325 with an hour uh, pregame, and then the Peter Game Day show gets going with the live uh, reactions and everything at 425. We'll also have the Peter Post Game show yeah. after, so make sure you are following us on all of our social media. That's when we'll announce when we're doing the Peter Post Game show. Uh, follow us at Pewter Report on X, Threads, Facebook, and Instagram. And, of course, our YouTube channel where we have all great content. Shout out to Josh Capo. Had a great, fantastic video with the film yes. down at Dave Canales. got to watch that. Great stuff. It's on yeah, Pewter Report TV. Yeah, it's definitely recommend watching. It's on Pewter Report TV. So uh, please follow, like, and subscribe. Leave a comment to this YouTube channel. It really helps grow our uh our youtube which um we love bringing all the content to you guys so that's going to do it for us on today's episode it's been the greatest episode of all time um so much fun talking to everybody so much fun talking to tony dungy so that'll do it for us for tony dungy for scott reynolds i'm matt matera saying thanks everybody for watching and we will see you on sunday for another edition of the pewter report podcast out